But let me thank you for coming today. Welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. My name is Duncan. I have the great privilege of serving as pastor here, and we're so pleased that you've come to join with us today. And um, please do stay after the service. There will be tea and coffee served. We would love for you to, to stay and to get to know us if you're a visitor and to just share some time of fellowship together. Uh, being the first Sunday of the month, um, this is what we call our family service, um, and that means this service is one where we all stay in together. There's no junior church, no Bible class, so it's, it's my hope that there will be something here for everyone today, and I want to make it really clear that everyone is welcome here today. So um, uh, even children who make a bit of noise are welcome here today, uh, and every week, by the way. Well, please take a seat, and we're going to have our Bible reading now, which comes from the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, which is the book of beginnings. It tells us about how God created the world, and in particular tells us about the special place that human beings have in the world. Human beings made in the image of God is what the Bible says, which means that there is something in human beings, something in you that shows God in this world. Well, you may know the first humans were placed in a garden. Does anyone know what that garden was called? Eden, good man. Garden of Eden. And there they walked with God. They listened to God. They knew God. They trusted God. And they were given one rule. Do not eat of this one tree in the garden. If you do that, you will die, is what God said. Well, Janet's going to read for us what happened next. Right, the reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 3, and the first 15 verses. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any fruit, from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will surely not die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat it of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, 
I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Amen. Thank you very much. So this part of the story tells us some really important things. And to help us understand the first important things, Carl is going to put some pictures up on here. And I need you to help me with these. Um, I need you to tell me who it is. Uh, let's, let's, let's go for it. Okay. All right. Can anyone tell me who this is? Scar. Yes. Who is Scar? He's the baddie in the Lion King. So who's... Whose enemy is Scar? Okay, so Denise is our Lion King expert here this week. So this is Mufasa and Simba's enemy, isn't it? So the heroes have an enemy. All right, let's see. So you get an idea of where we're going. Let's see who's next, Carl. Does anyone know who this is? Grandmaster Glitch. Whose enemy is Grandmaster Glitch? The Go-Jetters, yeah. And do you know, do you, what are the names of the Go-Jetters? There's, now come on then, there's Cayenne. Foz. Zuli and one more, there's one more. Oh, Ubercorn, yeah, he's there. Yeah, I can't remember the fourth one either, to be honest. <laughs> I think I'm doing pretty well. I'm 41, for goodness sake, you know. <laughs> so this is Grandmaster Glitch. He is the enemy of the Go-Jetters, though he is quite harmless in the main. What's next? This is for some of you older ones, or not. Does anyone know who this is? Yes. Blofeld. Um, do you know his full name? Let's try this. We've got an Ernst. Ernst Stavros Blofeld. Whose enemy is Mr. Blofeld here? Yes, you can keep on. James Bond. He is James Bond's enemy. This is what he looked like in the 60s. Okay, who have we got next? Oh, yeah, nice. Does anyone know who this is? Maisie? Oh, I forgot. You want to try? Captain Hook. Captain Hook. 
Uh, does anyone know whose enemy this is? Yep. Peter Pan. It's his enemy, yes. Okay, I think we've got one more, and this is where my knowledge dries up completely. Who is this? Thanos. Now, I have not seen any of these, so tell me about Thanos. Oh, hang on, you need, all right, I'll come closer. Yeah, and is he, is he a bad guy? <laughs> Whose enemy is he? The Avengers and the Marvels. Is that right? Okay. And Peppa Pig, yeah, as well. <laughs> it's like the kind of the, the Batman Superman crossover. It's the Avengers and Peppa. So, all of your heroes, they're really only heroes because they have an enemy that they're able to defeat. Well, anyway. All of that to say, this part of the Bible tells us God has an enemy. God has an enemy who slithers into the Garden of Eden in the passage that Janet read for us. But you know what? It's more than that. Because you know how I said that God made human beings, boys and girls, made them in the image of God? There's something of God that's on show in human beings? Well, that means that we have an enemy too. This enemy, the devil, slithers in. You can take Thanos off of there now, Carl. Um, he slithers into the garden, and he has some things to say to the first man and the first woman. Later on, they're going to be called Adam and Eve, so I'm just going to call them Adam and Eve. The serpent, the snake, says some things to Adam and Eve. What kind of things did he say? Did anyone notice? Yeah, Callum. Yeah, he said you could eat the tree. He said you'd be all right if you eat the tree. So I guess we could, we could say the snake tells Adam and Eve that God's words are not true. Because God said you can't eat this tree or you're going to die. And the snake came in and he said, what? You're not going to die you'll be all right. In fact, you'll be just like God. So the snake said, don't trust God's words. And in saying that, he's also saying, don't trust God. And that was what he said. He said, God's not trying to help you. God's trying to hold you back. He doesn't want you to be like him. This is what happened to the first humans. They listened to God's enemy. And it means well, it means they didn't trust God. And that's why all of us in our hearts, we, we don't naturally trust God. Adam and Eve, they listen to the voice of the serpent. They go their own way. They're going to trust themselves instead of trusting God. They're going to make their own decisions. They're not going to show the image of God in them. They're going to do their own thing. The problem is, Human beings were not designed to survive like that. They would only live a good and a fully satisfied and happy life depending upon God. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of the time, children think they know better than their parents. Have you noticed that, or is it just me who's noticed that? Have you noticed that sometimes 
Children think they know better than their parents. Now, sometimes they do. I'll admit that. Sometimes they do. But usually they don't. And when they stop trusting their mom and dad, then they fall into danger. Last week, we were walking to school, and we saw a young boy run out onto the road because he thought he knew better than his dad. He was okay, but he was nearly hit by a car. He didn't trust the one who he should trust, and he was in danger. And this is what it's like for Adam and Eve. They lose their relationship with God. You notice that when God came into the garden, after they had eaten of the tree that they shouldn't have, what did they do? Did they run to God and say, we're so glad to see you? What did they do? Yep. They hid away. They hid from God. They'd never done that before. They were frightened of Him. They had lost this relationship that they had. What they did is what the Bible calls sin. They disobeyed God. And God can't have anything to do with sin. God tells them what this new world is going to be like for them now that they have gone their own way instead of trusting Him. We didn't read these verses, but He tells them it's going to be painful. Their relationships are going to be strained. The ground is going to need a lot of hard work if you're going to grow food. And they maybe didn't quite realize it yet, but the ruined relationship with God they had meant that they had already started to die. One day they would die. Well, here, there's more to this story than just God has an enemy. We find here God promises a rescuer. And this is why we've chosen this passage, really, because there's this wonderful promise from God that He'll provide a rescuer. When God tells the serpent, when He tells the snake the punishment that He's going to have to face, God says that the snake has started a war, a war between the sons of the devil and the sons of the woman. There's this battle going to go on. Adam and Eve's children and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren will be in this battle all the time against God's enemy. But one day that battle's going to stop. The war will end when the offspring, as he puts it, the offspring of the woman will bruise or will crush the serpent's head. That means he'll defeat him. God promises a rescuer. And as you read through the Bible, like uh, you've been doing at Junior Church, if you're, if you're part of the church here, we go through Junior Church, and we've been reading some really impressive people, you know, guys like Moses, or Joshua, or David, or Solomon. We've been reading about these guys, and they're really impressive in so many ways. And we start to think, well, maybe they're the rescuer. Maybe they're going to rescue people from God's enemy. But for all of those people, they fall away in some way or other. They fall short. But as you read through the Bible, you come to this most amazing story. In a small town, unseen by the world, a young woman has a baby, one whom she was told would be great, whose kingdom would never end. Her name was Mary. Her husband's name was Joseph. He was told to call the baby Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. 
It's the story of the rescuer coming, promised all those years ago to Adam and Eve. The rescuer comes. The Son of God comes to earth as a baby. There's another part of the Bible written by a man named John, and he tells us this. He says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, to crush the snake's head. But how is he going to do it? Well, in the verses Janet read, there's a strong hint in the last verse, if you've got it there, verse 15. God says to the snake of this rescuer who's coming, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In order to defeat the serpent, the rescuer will suffer. He'll suffer. And it does say, um, it's the same word each time. It says, you will bruise him and he will bruise you. And you might listen to that and say, well, that doesn't sound like much of a defeat, does it? Is that like a draw? But the key thing is where they're bruised. I don't know, if you're playing football and someone accidentally, I'm sure, stamps down on the top of your foot with his studs like that, how does that feel? What do you think? Yeah, it is. Anyone ever had that? Studs on the top of your foot? It is painful. You're limping for days. But I tell you, what would happen if somebody stamped their studs down on your head? Well, hey, let's not even think about that, right? That would be much worse. That would be serious stuff. And that's the difference here. The rescuer, his heel is going to be bruised, but he's going to bruise the head of the serpent. He's going to defeat God's enemy. And so Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and we're waiting and wondering, how will he crush the head of the devil? And we find that Jesus was bruised. He lived a perfect life, never sinned, and yet people bruised him, beat him, whipped him, put a crown of thorns on his head. He was even nailed to a cross, nails that went through his hands and his feet. But the Bible tells us this was more than just men killing Jesus. It's there, as he was bruised, that he paid the price of sin to God. He had no sin, yet he suffered for our sin. That's the only way that we could be forgiven, the only way that we could be freed from sin and from the devil, the only way God's enemy could be defeated. I'm going to pause there, and we're going to get a video to just tell that story to us again. I got one more thing to say, and that is, last of all, about the importance of trusting this promise that God has made. You see, it is not enough to just know things about Jesus. We have to believe in Jesus. We have to trust that He really is our rescuer. And we see this happen in Genesis 3. Um, and we see it here. Let me read this verse for you. After God had spoken to them, we read this, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. 
called his wife's name Eve. Why does that matter? Well, just think about this. God has just promised that the one who will rescue human beings from death and from the devil will come through the offspring of a woman. And Adam, in response, calls his wife Eve, and Eve means something like life, life giver. It's an act of faith. He calls her Eve because he saw the promise of God and he believed. And this is key. I want to say to you today, particularly in this season that we're in, it is not enough. It is not enough to have Jesus born and laid in the manger out there somewhere. It is not enough even to have his perfect life, nor even to have his death on the cross or his resurrection from the dead, and all of that be out there somewhere, outside of us. If Jesus is God, if he truly is our rescuer, we can't leave him out there somewhere as some warm story to hear, as some information to take in. We must respond in faith. And that means not just believing Jesus is our rescuer, not just believing He is the rescuer, but this is the crucial step, believing He is my rescuer. Can we truly say that today? He is for you. And when we believe that, then we stake our life upon it. He's going to shape everything about me because I want to follow him more than any other. And we can only do that because when we trust in Jesus, we are given new life by his Spirit. We then belong to Jesus Christ. Everything that's his becomes ours. And while he has crushed the head of the snake through his death on the cross, Jesus is coming back to show that victory in all of its fullness and to share that victory with all who trust in him. A man named Paul wrote a letter to a group of people who trusted in Jesus, and he gave them this exciting news, which I can give you as well if you're trusting in Jesus. He said, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. God has an enemy, and that means we have an enemy, who attacks us by making us doubt God's word, doubt God's character, and because we listen to that enemy, we are, we are captured by him. We need a rescuer. Good news, folks, the rescuer has come. Jesus Christ, who has crushed the head of the devil, but only through suffering death on the cross. And his victory is your victory. Now, when we're here in this place on a Sunday and we're singing praises, that all seems really believable to us. And then we step outside the door into a completely different environment, 
And it seems that little bit harder to believe. But I want to say that this truth stands. His victory is your victory. When you go into school this week and it seems like no one else is a Christian and people think you're the weird one if you were to admit that you are a Christian, this is still true. Jesus' victory is your victory. When we deliver Christmas cards in the community and we're met with, to say the least, an underwhelmed response from people, Jesus' victory is still your victory. And so we step forward in that victory, knowing that it will be clear when He comes that we stand with Him, the devil crushed beneath our feet. We're going to sing a closing song which says, when faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. That's what it is to step forward in the victory of Christ. For Christ will have the prize for which He died. Folks, God's promised rescuer has come. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. That's what we celebrate every week. And in particular, as we remember Jesus coming, let's remember that He is the rescuer who was promised.